0: and not replace the church and faith community God has called you to be a part of locally. With that said, engage with us over the next 30 to 40 minutes as we dig into the Word of God proclaimed. Turning your Bibles to Psalm 69. If you don't have a Bible, there should be one in the pew in front of you. Everybody say, 15-minute sermon. Uh, oh, Preacher, preacher. I got my work cut out for me today. <laughs> I've got, I'm getting encouragement from the front row. Thank you. Thank you, whoever said that. You can do it. I'm I plan on it. I hope to. Um, yeah, that's it. Good luck. Um, we have been in a series walking through psalms, okay? And walking through faith and feelings. We all know we have feelings, right? How many of you know you have feelings? Yeah, and, and it ranges. And we all have knee-jerk feelings for knee-jerk things. And um, the Bible speaks to it. That and, and what we found out in week one is that Psalms 1 tells us that um, the way we think and what we meditate on will shape how we feel. And so if, we, if our point of anchor is anything other than the Word of God... Your emotions will shift on that. And so what we want is that we said the Psalms helped us uh, fix our minds and shape how we feel. So we've been talking about faith and feelings. The, the second week, we, in Psalm 42, we talked about how to be discouraged well. How many of you have ever been discouraged? Yeah, there's a way to be discouraged well. Week number three, we talked about how to feel guilt well. How to feel guilty well, knowing that what has been paid for on the cross, the Psalms and Psalm 51 tell us how to feel guilt well. And then last week, we talked about how to feel gratitude. And that God is deserving of gratitude. And Psalms 103 walked us through that. Well, today... I almost didn't preach. I don't want to preach this because this has been raw and real for me on many levels over the years. And that is faith and anger. Faith and rage. I've experienced much of that. And a lot of my family has been prone to it. Um, But what, what I want to talk to today is in Psalm 69... And what what does it look like when someone has done you wrong? When someone has abused you or someone has abandoned you or someone has hurt you? What is our faith-filled feeling? What should our response? Everybody say response. What should our response be? And this psalm a lot of Christians have a hard time with, and the church world has a hard time with. Why? It's called, it's one of a few imprecatory psalms. I'm not going to ask you to say imprecatory. It took me a whole week, like two weeks to get it down. And what imprecation is, is when someone prays down or curses you, Now, I'm going just, to just, this is rhetorical. Rhetorical means don't raise your hand. But have you felt like cursing someone this week? Have you felt like someone has wronged you? And so this, this psalm has David praying some curses down from heaven. And it's uncomfortable for us to figure out how to deal with. You know why? Because we are on the other side of the cross. Okay, so uh, Jesus taught us to love our enemies, right? Turn the other cheek. So there's a rub here. And what we've got to figure out is, what do we do with it? What do we do with it? He's praying down uh, curses. um, and, And we've been called to... Bless those who abuse us. To pray for those who have hurt us. And so there are several of these psalms, but I picked the one that was the hardest, the toughest. You know why? It's got the longest section. It's got seven verses of just David cursing and praying curses down on the people around him. I don't. I don't know who's in the room this morning, but that can look very different for each of us today. Based on your walk of life. Some, some in this room have faced abuse. Some of us have faced being wronged. And, the re- and, and outside of just the abandonment I felt when my parents divorced, being in ministry is not for the weak skinned. <laughs> and so I have suffered attacks on my family, on me. On my character. And these same people will be straight to my face and smile at me on Sunday morning. Oh, y'all don't know about that. Y'all don't know about people talking about you behind your back, do you? And so I feel tempted at times as the psalmist David to pray curses down on folks. That's a very real place to be. So, how do we determine what it looks like? How do we determine how now, today? What what does that, Pastor, what does that mean for me today? Well, let's look at the New Testament. This is one of the most quoted psalms in the New Testament. One of the most, which is weird. It's weird that this psalm, an imprecatory cursing psalm, would be one of the ones. It's quoted seven times. Jesus quoted it. Peter quoted it. Paul quoted it. They all quoted it. Because it was relevant to them. And so what what I want to do very quickly um, is just go through an overview of the psalm. And then um, I'm going to go very quickly. So keep up if you want to fill out, you can along these lines um, in your bulletin. But just an overview, just an overview. David is finding himself, people attacking him. In his service to the Lord. And what the Bible would call zeal for God's glory. Okay? So David is trying to do it right. And because he is trying to do it right, people are coming at him. Um, I would probably equate this to uh, the more serious I got about the Lord, my friends shifted. The crowds I was around Shifted. And anybody that served the Lord long enough, you know that in order to serve the Lord faithfully, sometimes you have to change the crowds you're around. So David did that. And what the Psalms tell us here is that um, if we look right here in verse 4, okay? Those who hate me without cause outnumber the hairs on my head. Have you ever felt that way? There are more people against me than for me. Yeah. Many enemies try to destroy me with lies, demanding that I give back what I didn't steal. And if you go down to 7, verse 7, it says, For I endure insults for your sake. Humiliation is written all over my face. And then, in, just to give you kind of a breakdown, verses 1 through 4, David's complaining to God. He's saying, hey, listen, I'm, I'm trying to do things right, and people keep coming at me. And then 5 through 12, he says, listen, it's not because of sin. Look at this. Now, David is not faultless. He even says it right here um, in verse 5. Oh, God, you know how foolish I am. So David recognizes, hey, I know I've messed up, but the reason I'm getting all this heat, the reason people are abusing me and taking advantage of me and telling lies on me is because I am standing up for you. I'm trying to do the right thing. In verses 13 through 18, he pleads for rescue in 19 through 28. 19 through 28. He just curses, prays down curses from heaven. What does he pray? Let's read a couple of them. Let the, in verse 22, let the bountiful table set before them become a snare and their prosperity become a trap. Let their eyes go blind so they can't see. Make their bodies shake continually. Pour out your fury on them, consume them with your burning anger. Let their homes become desolate. You think he's angry? You think he's upset? I think he's upset. Let their homes be desolate, tents deserted to the one you have punished. They add injury, uh, insult to injury. They add to the pain of those you have hurt. Pile their sins up and don't let them go free. Listen, and this, is, this, is, this is wild. Look at, look at verse 28. Erase their names from the book of life. Don't let them be counted among the righteous. He's saying, God, get rid of them. Let them all be damned to hell. Some of y'all are like, man, I just came to hear some good singing this morning. This guy's really, he's he's preaching something I don't know about, and now I'm really uncomfortable. Yeah. But anger and rage are feelings you have to learn how to deal with around faith. Because there is a sinful thing, a sinful anger, and there's a righteous anger. And honestly, this morning, I'm going to kind of just read a couple things here. Psalm 69 in the New Testament, okay? So just follow me quickly. In the New Testament, it helps us, because we say often here, the Bible interprets the Bible, right? Culture shouldn't interpret the Bible. My feelings shouldn't interpret the Bible, The Bible should interpret the Bible. And so we go to the New Testament to find out how these quotes, how how this chapter should be interpreted. So it's interpreted two ways. One, it's interpreted as the words of David. Now, this is going to blow your mind. Nudge your neighbor, say, wake up. up. The, The majority of the time... It's quoted as the words of Jesus. Wow. Jesus wasn't even around. So how can that be? As the words of David, we can go to Romans 11, uh, 9 through 11. We find it quoted here. I'll start in verse 7. So this is the situation. Most of the people of Israel have not found the favor of God they are looking for so earnestly. A few have, the ones God has chosen, but the hearts of the rest were hardened. As the scripture says, God has put them into a deep sleep to this day. And he has shut their eyes so they do not see and closed their ears so they do not hear. And here's the quote. Likewise, David said, let their bountiful table become a snare, a trap that makes them Think all is well. Let their blessings cause them to stumble. Let them get what they deserve. Have you ever prayed that? Lord, let them get what they deserve. Let their eyes go blind so they cannot see and let their backs be bent forever. Let me tell you what's going on here. Jesus has come and he's ascended back into heaven and his own people. As what it's saying right here in Romans, Paul is saying his own people, a few of them said, okay, I recognize you as the Messiah, but the rest rejected him. And there's a price for rejecting Christ. And it's his righteous judgment. There's no emotional um, like, vengeance in this text. No, Paul is reading this as God will have his judgment at the right time. They don't preach. I, I get I get they don't preach judgment in church today. I understand that. And, and some of you are like, wow, he's preaching judgment. It's coming. It's coming for those who don't know him. And maybe I'll just close with this, because you keep going through here. And as the words of Jesus, um, basically what we find is that all the rejection, all of the reproach that came upon David in Psalm 69 was a foreshadowing of what Jesus would walk through you see it in John 2:13 through 17 John 15:24 through 25 John 19:28 through 30 Romans 15 In Romans 15 it's used to encourage people to live beyond themselves, that it shouldn't. you shouldn't be living a life just for you. So how should this psalm affect us? I've just got three things. I've just got three things. Number one, approval of God's judgment. Let me tell you something. If you have been hurt in this place today and you still struggle with rage and anger behind it, or maybe you know someone that is struggling with rage and anger over how the cards have been dealt to them. Seemingly while they're trying to serve the Lord. There's coming a time where God's judgment will rain down on the unjust. And we serve a just God those that take joy in the that, that Christ died on the cross, those that take joy in the suffering of others, God will judge them in due time. But the beauty of that is that for those who see the cross and they see His mercy and they see His grace and their heart is broken for it and they accept Him as their Lord and Savior. Hear me this morning. His anger has been pardoned for you. His anger has been removed from you. You know why? Because His anger was placed on Christ on the cross for you despite the anger that is deserved. Maybe you don't get it. Maybe you don't get it. But you deserve death. Your sin deserves hell and eternity there. But there is a cross with blood stains. And a Savior who paid the price and pardoned you. I quoted this song a couple weeks ago. Uh, uh, Gordon Motes sings it. Uh, Mercy walked in and pleaded my case. Called to the stand, God's saving grace. The blood was Presented that covered my sin The moment the mercy walked in The other thing, the last thing, and then I'm going to have the harvesters come up and close us out. This psalm says that, hey, there's, gonna, there's a judgment day coming and we're going to approve of the judgment of those who deserve judgment. It's going to be right. Number two, it foreshadowed the ministry of Jesus. And that he would be rejected. He would be despised. He would be abused. There's this picture. Jesus quoted one of the quotes of Psalm 69. Jesus was in the temple flipping tables over. And he said, My father's house should be a house of prayer. His disciples heard my father's house and said, Wait a second, I've heard this before. And then they remembered back to what? Psalm 69 and verse 9 where he said, I will have zeal. I will have passion for the house of God. And they said, oh, wait. Psalm 69, it's right here in front of me. It was a foreshadowing of the ministry of Jesus. And number three, it should be incentive to forgive. Psalm 69 should be incentive for us to forgive. Romans 15.3 says, For even Christ didn't leave to please himself. And then he quotes Psalm 69. He says, as the scriptures say, The insults of those who insult you, O God, have fallen on me. He uses Psalm 69, a cursing psalm, to say, Hey, Listen. Even Christ didn't live to please himself. He's trying to, Paul is trying to say, hey, don't live for yourself. Look what Jesus did. It should give you incentive to forgive. And then probably the most practical thing here, if you flip back a chapter, it says in 12 Romans 12, 19, Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God, For the scriptures say, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. Instead, verse 20, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. Wow. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals of fire on their head. Don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. As they get ready to come back up, What's the what's the most practical thing you can leave here with today? If you're angry, if you're in rage, and I can tell you in the last month I've experienced that, you have got to give it to God. Let me tell you something. God sees all. God is not amiss, He does not. He has not forgotten what you are walking through. No, he sees it and he will pay back in just time. But let me tell you something clinging on to that anger, clinging on to that rage, and trying to put it in your hands to handle will end up in your demise. It will kill you spiritually. Give it to God. Look at your neighbor, say, Give it to God.